What is up, internets? Welcome to season two of Self-Defense from All Angles. This is part two of the episode with Jack, the former drug dealer, who tells us a bunch of crazy stuff. I hope you loved episode one as much as I love doing it. Episode two has a, a whole bunch of other really cool stuff in it. And like I mentioned, for extra content over on patreon.com slash Live, we have another story from him. This one's a little bit more physical than the last one where he gets jumped. I think it was a very interesting story. So take a listen to the episode. Don't forget, if you want to hire me for any service, for your workplace or your martial arts gym, go to www.randykinglive.com and join us over on Patreon for bonus content. Let's get to part two. I want to yeah. go into, I want to talk. There's two other things I really want to talk. There's a bunch I want to talk to you about. I'm going to keep as long yeah. as I can. But the the first thing I want to talk about is just meth taking over the game for so many people. So when I teach, I always use uh, old bouncing stories for in my classes, yeah. right? And I'm from Alberta. Cocaine was a very big deal here. And I yeah. always reference cocaine. And whenever I travel almost anywhere, cocaine it's not as prevalent as it is in Alberta, at least, yeah. where people say, no, the problem here is meth, right? Yeah. Except in certain areas, like UK has no meth problem right now at all. Um, no, they're heroin, they're heroin and blow. They're heroin people, yeah. And yeah. then there's some people in, obviously, meth was arguably created for soldiers in World War II. So the whole Czech yeah. area is very big on meth. With this, it used to be, I would say even 15 years ago, it was... Kind of people were doing random shit, PCP, Angel Dust. And these could always be different names for the same drug, which is also yeah. something I want to talk about because I think yes. it tricks people. But yeah. now it's meth across the board. Why is it? Is it price? Is it addictiveness? Why is meth like the number one seller? So the, I mean, I would say that it depends on the kind of who you're talking to. I, I, I'd feel right now a game between meth and fentanyl like okay. between depending on depending on what demographic you're talking about and locale so to my understanding the whole meth thing became very prevalent because cartels took over the manufacturing like you don't really have yes i'm, I'm sure local meth labs exist yeah but mainly it's all coming up from mexico and the cartel and cartels were able to more or less employ chemists to make i think it's I think it's called P2P, or and I forget what that stands for. Breaking Bad. How I was about like to they, ask how accurate yeah, is Breaking but, Bad. Okay, so like for, you said, in Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, so Breaking Bad, like they have that blue tinged meth, and then like the creators of the show is going, "Hey, there's no such thing." Ooh, there it is, and that's okay. I, and that's P2P, and and that's just made in this very specific kind of way where it's not, you're not cooked necessarily cooked up in a bus or the in the in like a a flat or an Airbnb. Those those things do happen. I'm not saying that they don't. Right. But most of the meth that you see is produced down in Mexico by cartels and then shipped up through a variety of means. I do need to say that I don't really know how that the things sure. work. I, I never got to, to that level. Well, you didn't um, deal I, it, right? It wasn't one of your approved no. Uh, no, no, no. products. I, yeah. 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 So I never got to that level. I was never like an importer. I was never like a big fish very much by choice. There were opportunities, but mm -hmm. I didn't get in there. Anyway, so I digress. The meth that we see and is being produced en masse by cartels in epic amounts. We're talking huge operations that make Walter White's basement underneath Poyos Hermanos 
that is we're that's small potatoes. That's adorable. We're yeah, we're talking huge operations that are shipping out thousands of kilograms on a weekly basis. Wow. And so because they have that economy of scale and because these meth is cheap to produce, it's not like cocaine where you need, I think it's an acre of coca plant for one kilogram. Okay. You can, yeah, you can just keep, as long as you have the precursors, you can keep cranking this stuff out and it is very high quality. Right. So it's cheap. I don't really know what the, the, the price is now. I've, I've heard that things got a little bit wonky with the pandemic, but I remember hearing that a kilogram of K or uh, not K, but uh, math was six, $8,000. Whereas relative to cocaine can fluctuate anywhere from 25 to 65, depending on the what's happening in the world. So, arguably the answer is business reasons they just decided to invest way more and this is the thing is people like to put ethics on objects right they put ethics on meth or whatever right a hammer a gun ethics on it where this is just a pure business decision it was just cheaper easier faster to make meth decent addiction rate we talked to a doctor who works with homeless people very high addiction rate uh in that so you're what you're saying here is the decision was it wasn't a a user end, it was a business end decision to, to oh, yeah. really focus on meth. Yeah, because if you have somebody who is going to, once meth has its hooks in, like it, you, people will burn through a lot of it. And the more you do, the less effect that it has. So then the more you need. It is very much a more substance, which is wonderful from a retailing <laughs> end of things. Like you're right. just like, oh, people want more and more of this? Great. Fantastic. And yeah, so it, it, everything boils down to money. Yes. Right? How much money can you make in as short a period of time with a high enough margin? And if you look at, say, a kilogram is eight, $6,000 to $8,000 at the time of me hearing this, which is back close to the end of my career here about six years ago, Sure. that you're looking at, I think that's what, like, I'm terrible at mental math, but it's well under. Like, here, let's see. Let's, it was all like, like argue, like almost half the price when you were saying the numbers earlier. Like, yeah, like it makes more sense on the business side. Yeah, so you know if you're, yeah, that's two hundred and twenty-two dollars an ounce, right? For eight for eight thousand, if it's eight thousand dollars a kilogram, and then if you're selling each point, which is point one of a gram, right? For ten dollars, that's a hundred dollars a gram. So that's a hundred thousand dollars a kilogram, right? So you're looking at a ninety-two. Like from a dealer perspective, you're looking or from a street dealer perspective, you're looking at a ninety-two. You're looking at a ninety-two thousand dollar profit margin. Wild, which is just insane. So awesome. Let, let's move on a little bit. Let's go back to talking about, so I stopped you because you wanted to go into a little bit of a talk about, we were talking at the beginning of the podcast about the safer clientele versus the other people in the industry. And you're going to talk about that. And I was like, wait, yeah. I want to talk about that later. Yeah. So let's, yeah, talk yeah, yeah. About that. let's talk about that now. So you mentioned that these drug dealers tend to have a violent image. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. Kind of expand on that. I had at the time, what I call a friendly competition. And it was an individual who served, we had some overlap in our clientele. I actually used to hook him up. And then I got to a point where I was just sick and tired of doing that because it meant on my end that I had to double up my order, which I didn't always have the money for. And I was just a pain in the ass. And I also had it in my head too, that when you're even low end supply, 
to other people, that opens you up to risk because you can't govern their work practices. So if you're not really insulated or have a way to do counter investigation measures, then say I give somebody a relatively bulk volume a week later, they get arrested because they're sloppy and the cops go, Hey, if you, you don't want to go to jail for a mandatory minimum, give us who you got this from and you'll be on your merry way. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will take advantage of that deal. Like the whole thing, like the whole people going, Oh, you never rat. Very frequently people rat. I was never arrested. I don't have a criminal record. Thankfully, you know, well, actually I'll take the time and I'll call out a degree of my privilege there. I am a white spoken Caucasian individual and I are well-spoken uh, Caucasian individual. And that definitely played a role in my not being involved with things. And that isn't to say that white people don't get nailed for drug offenses because they absolutely do. But to give you an example, I knew an individual who, uh, I think back in like 2012 or 2013, he got arrested with a very sizable amount. Like we're talking sizable amount, like multiple kilograms, multiple liters of, of GHB, multiple precursors, close to a million dollars in cash, a lot of things. He wound up, I think, doing about 18 months. And the guy's white as the driven snow. Sure. And the and then contrast, another individual that I know, Caribbean, Caribbean descent, he was living in a house that got raided and an ounce of blow was allegedly found in the wall and there was a scale in the living room mm-hmm. and he was given three years. Fuck. So that's such bullshit. Yeah, it's it's bullshit. So there's the you know, not being you know, not being of a darker skin tone definitely helped in my favor. Um, so back to your question though about people that that I interacted with, this friendly competition, he uh, him and I were just we had an overlap in clientele, but we never really threatened one another's income by any means. Like I've been around for much longer than he had been. He was just starting out, but he was a lot more gregarious and outgoing. Whereas I had some policies where I wouldn't meet people at bars. I would only go serve them at their house. I didn't, I wouldn't do bulk to anybody past him. Like after I cut him off, it was literally just me and user. We've had a, we had a good relationship there in the industry. They're known as uh, Jack boys okay. and, or some people will call them standover men. And those are criminals that rob other criminals. So jack boys are standover men. One other definition. Keep your train of thought. I don't want to distract too much. You kept, you mentioned the word precursor a lot. I don't know if all my audience knows what a precursor is. So a precursor substance is something that is used to make a controlled substance, like ingredients to make, like pretty much a precursor is ingredient. Sure. Yeah. So an ingredient, it's flour, egg, water. Got it. That's how you make, yeah. Like yeast, that's how you make bread. A precursor is one of those items. And that can be, meth that can be a uh, cutting or a buff agent the two things are different and the and just just something that goes into drugs but isn't necessarily drugs by itself so so we're talking about jack boys yeah so jack yeah so jack boys stand over men criminals that rob other criminals and more often than not that's somebody that you know and if they're ever feeling tight because you can't burn all of your money sure yeah, you can't burn all of your money. You can't go, you can't do all of your product. You can't give it to a bunch of friends to seem popular. Right. And so to mitigate those bad business practices, 
these individuals would go out and they just rob people. Okay. And, and so those are typically like you have, you have I always had two concerns. It's being robbed by a criminal or being arrested. And quite frankly, being robbed by another criminal was a far greater concern than being arrested. Cause once you develop some good work practices and you can take advantage of the benefit of doubt, Mm-hmm. It is very hard for an investigation to stick. If you're not involved in firearms, the life-ruining substances, violence, the state, while they might have a, a watchful eye on you, they don't really care. It's, and I'm not saying that they don't care, period, but it's just like you, they have so many other things to worry about down the, on their list of priorities that right. somebody who is making their living selling substances to normal ass people who aren't themselves going out and robbing other people or breaking shit. Mm-hmm. And they're not involved in the, in, in violent acts or peddling in firearms or in bulk flips is, are not really a concern. Cause it's just like the to my understanding and the law enforcement a little bit better than I do. It seems like they do have a list of priorities and their priorities are towards the clear and present danger to society at large. Mm-hmm. And that does, that means firearms, life-ruining substances, bulk kind of supply level shit and, and gangsterism, like extortion or robbery and stuff like that. Because that can be, even though you could be a very normal ass individual, say if you have your door kicked in by somebody you thought was your friend and they're all gloved and masked, but then you're also living with your roommates and, or you have a wife with a kid or your girlfriend has a child or whatever, and any manner of witnesses or people who are civilians as they're called who are not involved in it if as soon as they get hurt like everything gets very complicated and luckily i never really had to go through that there were time like there were two i guess maybe we can save the the stories for later Sure. But uh, that's going to yeah, be on like, Patreon, everybody. Five bucks. Jump onto the stories. <laughs> Anyways, keep going. <laughs> um, this podcast has yeah. to make money somehow. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so standover men, like those would be, that is a much bigger concern than police. How common were these standover men? They would, again, they typically happen more in the life ruining end of things. Right. Or if you were a lifestyle guy, like where you were out at the clubs and you were flashing money and people knew what you were about, that would really put a target on your back sure and and just because and and it can come from really any angle but you can be you can match with you could be somebody a guy around town and you can be on a dating app and the person that you match with is actually knows who you are right and they're really good and they're really good friends with somebody who wants to fucking rob you and they'll say everything that you want to know and then the person that shows up to your place is not that cute little blonde thing a tinder honeypot like dragging somebody in with seduction Yes, exactly. And that is there that is commonly done. Guys that see escorts, that can also be done sometimes. I'm not gonna bag on because I'm not gonna say that every escort sure. is, is gonna do that. I would say they're also just trying to make their money and they want as little bullshit as possible. Of course. But there is a there's an individual in Western Canada, I think Jessica Keane is her name, and she's been in the news for drugging. And right. I think she's been charged with manslaughter because she drugged somebody and then he died. Oh wow. And she would just like drug and rob her Johns but she'd target drug dealers and, and just tell them everything that they wanted to hear, blah, 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 blah. And then your door gets kicked in. You're tied up, drugged, sometimes beaten horribly. 
And like there have been, I've heard tales of people getting tortured. If you're a big enough fish and yeah. somebody finds out who you are, right? then yeah, you're, what's up? No, keep going. Don't worry. Just that thing on yeah. my phone is going on. Yeah. If you're a big enough fish, there is a risk that you can be kidnapped and tortured. I think this is going to link back to some more self-defense lessons, which is the point of the podcast, yeah. is we talk about selection. We talk about how people pick their targets. And yeah. one of those can be crimes of opportunity, right? So if you're yeah. super drunk in a strip club and you pull out a wad of hundreds, maybe you weren't going to get robbed before that, but now a yeah. bunch of people see $100 bills. Yeah. So you're saying that these people are the ones that are, it's very obvious tra logic train, but common sense isn't as common as it used to be, where- yeah. If you are showing off, if you are showing a lifestyle, if you are showing a ton of money, they did an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where one of the guys buys a Bentley. Like, why are you buying a Bentley? You're going to get robbed, right? So yeah. like flashing the this money and especially I think the uneducated again, because they're grabbing movies, uneducated in this world, not uneducated yeah. in general. But because of movies, they think that, oh, if we rob a drug dealer, the drug dealer's not going to tell anybody because it's illegal money. So it's easier to do. And right, there's there's just a whole bunch of myth around this kind of thing. But I really liked that you pointed out that the people that are really in the lifestyle and showing off and they're putting a target on their back. And this is a lesson everybody can take is yeah. if you look like, and I always make the the comparison that the biggest, strongest lion, it scares off all the hyenas and jackals, but the other large lions come and challenge it. So yeah. if, if you're putting off this aura of invincibility, it, not, it doesn't repel everybody. It just brings on bigger challenges. Yeah, exactly. And I was very conscious to not be a flashy individual. You know me with without the helmet on. Yeah, like I like my certain stylistic elements, but I don't know if I've ever been one for the gold, the big gold chain, or the really nice car, or the the diamond rings, or the grills, because I don't need that attention, and that's like the wrong kind of attention. Mm -hmm. And even when you are looking for the right kind of attention, so to speak, I never wanted to hang out with people who were impressed by that kind of thing, because like again, they're lifestyle people. They wanna, they wanna, they wanna live this life that they perceive to be very luxurious but those people also really don't appreciate how much goddamn work it is yeah and like to get to a level where you're clearing even a thousand to two thousand dollars a day that can take sometimes years and there's it's everybody sees like bosses and stuff like that and these guys are like taped out but that takes, that honestly takes a year, five, 10 years to develop into something. And that means you're not, you don't have any big hits where you don't get robbed or you don't get arrested or somebody that you work with doesn't get robbed or arrested or blah, 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 blah. A bunch of things have to happen, right? And mm. one wrong thing can set you back so far, right. right? So if you're like some young guy and you're, you've got unsafe business practices, you've made enough to buy a relatively nice car and you think oh, okay like i've got my high fade haircut i've got like my rolex like i've been able to buy all these things that are emblematic of oh i'm the guy but then that puts a target on you and either you are beaten senseless by standover men or even if you're lipping off to somebody and they then they, they tan your hide and either steal your phone or smash your phone great there goes your entire income right like it does, it does, it does on the phone yeah, it's okay because everything, like a lot of it is, I would say the majority of everything is dial a dope. 
and right. in some way, shape, or form. So if you don't have a redundancy or you haven't like saved things or you're not, and believe it or not, some people are just simply not tech savvy. Mm-hmm. Back when I was in the industry, would there was a platform that is now defunct called Sky, and I'd use that to communicate with my my higher ups to just place orders. And and I remember would I'd be going into provider provider stores, which were ostensibly fronts dedicated to, you know, supporting these platforms. And there'd be guys there who would be buying like chatter SIM cards and just losing their minds because clearly something had happened in their life where they had lost their income stream and mm-hmm. they had not thought to do some sort of backup. And they were just like having meltdowns as they realized oh my God, my entire life is slipping away right now. And these, are also, and these are also the individuals who maybe they haven't bought their Mercedes-Benz. Maybe it's maybe it's being financed or they have a really nice house because they want it to ball outrageous or they have a few, they have one or two kids they're paying for and their lifestyle is, has an eight to $10,000 a month overhead yep. just to maintain. And, as soon, and that can be taken away from you instantly. Sure. If you're not, if you're not careful. And then that also perpetuates that can push somebody into, I'm going to go rob somebody I know to get back on top. So these, there, there can be factors in one's life that will push you or push one to towards violence and, or violent acts that pass the whole point of sale aspect of things. So it's, yeah, it's, it can be, it's a very, when when things are good, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. When things are bad. Oh God. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh God. That's a story as old as time, right? A business gets successful. The person increases their overhead to thinking that it's going to be raining or every day is going to be plentiful. Then the income drops and they yeah. get desperate times. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I was always very deliberate to make sure that my lifestyle was relatively manageable. Right. And if I was going to go buy a vehicle it would be a vehicle that i liked but it would be a vehicle that would cost me five six thousand mm-hmm. dollars and i owned it like right. i didn't have to worry about fi- financing yeah that was at the point where going okay that's going to be roughly you know a week and a half two weeks of my income so i can afford this like it's not going to be a huge hit to my bottom line and like never i never was going like oh, i'm going to go rent like a, a six thousand dollar penthouse apartment i'm going to get something that i'm going to get something that has enough space for my stuff but right. isn't if say the hammer drops and I have to make an exit or cover legal costs, I'm not going to be super up shit Creek. Makes sense. I think, and to shamelessly promote my own book, selling out your level of comfort available on Amazon. That's one of my business principles, right? Is be allergic to overhead. Don't think that you're going to have all this extra money all the time. All right. Yeah. I got one more question really in the vein of self-defense from all angles. Jack, what are your tips for safely buying drugs So for, for, like, for the user end? Because like you mentioned, a lot of people are using this recreationally. What are some safety tips you might have for that? For anybody who is currently buying drugs, you're probably good. Like right. every, everybody has a guy, sure. right? It's not going to be, it's not just some, you don't have this like random individual who is just showing up that is like the shadowy character. It's somebody that you're, that is typically you're comfortable with that isn't going to fuck around with you or be violent. Cause realistically speaking, the provider has significantly more to worry about from the customer than vice versa. If anybody's seen, thank you for smoking. 
Yes. It's in our interest that you call back, right. right? We don't want you to have a negative experience. We want you to enjoy yourself. So we have repeat business. We want you to tell your friends. So there's, it's, there's, there, there is really nothing beneficial on the retailer's end to aggress upon their customers. As far as to, to actually answer your question, if you want yeah. to buy drugs safely, make sure you're doing it from somebody that you inherently trust who does have a, an interest in quality control. If you are referred to somebody and you get a bad vibe from them and they're really evasive with any details, if you're asking, hey, what's in this? Is this pure? And they're going, oh, yeah, yeah, straight off the brick. Like, I'm going to, the moment somebody says that bullshit, just because we can get into math if you want. But it's, if you, if something doesn't seem right, it probably, it's because it probably isn't. Right. And any, I would always sit down with people if they had any questions with me. I'd just be like, sure, shoot. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to know what's in this, some certain sub, sub, substances, it made no point to adulterate because you wouldn't have to. With blow, I carried two grades. There was the stuff that I literally did not touch. And then there was the stuff that I would water down 50%. The, the media likes to go like, oh, drug dealers are using any white powder that they can find underneath their countertop to increase their profits and with no care for, for the average consumers being, no, again, I want you to call back. So I had a, a recipe that I, that I won't divulge, but that contained more or less numbing agents and then a buffing agent. So a cutting agent is something that will mimic effect while increasing volume. And then a buffing agent is literally just something that will increase volume that has, that is inert. Okay. And that can be, guys will know exactly what they need to do. Some some shit is, there's this shit called super buff that is used to, for more so people who are serving people who do crack, because what it will do is like when it's cooked up, when, when cocaine that is cut, super buff is cooked up, it will retain its weight. Whereas if you use something that isn't super buff in cocaine and it's cooked up into crack, you are going to lose the percentage at which it was adulterated. So if you're selling somebody a gram and then 40% of it is what have you, and then that person cooks it up in crack, they're only going to be getting 0.6 of a gram and you're going to have somebody and you're going to have somebody that's very upset with you. Yeah. Because they feel like they've cheated, but in, from a chemistry perspective, super buff would retain the weight. So you'd cook up one gram and you might lose a little bit, but it would be like 0.95. Everybody's happy. Right. (laughs) However, super buff is extremely toxic on the body. So that's one of those things where you're like, eh, so you were, you want somebody who will be honest with you. You want somebody who is literally just there to make the sale and not intrude on your life. Mm-hmm. That's up to the inv- individual, what their level of comfort is. Like I had a policy where I would, I'd never bring anybody to my car. I wouldn't do like a lap. I wouldn't go to bars. I wouldn't meet on the street because right. anybody who's ever lived in an urban center knows exactly what a drug deal looks like. <laughs> You're going like, Oh, Hey, like somebody just came out of the building, hopped in that car. They literally drove down the block, did a lap and then dropped them right off back in front. Oh, I, I wonder what the fuck happened there. So I had a policy of just, I would always step in to people's apartments and be like, look, I have more to worry about than you from you than you do me. This is literally to hide the transaction. So I have a benefit of the doubt. 
if you want to talk to me or ask me any questions, feel free. You have about five to seven minutes of my time because I have other places to be. Right. Um, Interesting. You... So I, I like the angle you took of if people are already buying drugs, they know what's going on and it's in the dealer's best interest for it to be a good uh, experience. So let's yeah. flip the question. What were you, what was your threat assessment to find out red flags on a potential client? So any referral that I would take would be, I like, you know, I, had, I had a very stringent referral policy. It was not a random that you met in the bar that night. I have no interest in those people because that could very easily be a cop. That could be somebody that's looking to set me up. Mm-hmm. That could be what have you. So my rule was if you would not bring them back to your house to party, don't send them to me. They have to be somebody that you know, somebody that you trust, somebody that is not going to dick me around, either ask for fronts or not have money when I get there or otherwise make my life unnecessarily difficult. And like, no, I never served any minors. I had a really hard policy against that. Mm -hmm. And I'd be really cagey with groups of people. If somebody told me, Hey, yeah, I'm going to be calling for my buddy. I'd be like, no, I, you were referred to me. You were not referred to me. So your buddy could get, because that always spoke to me as I'm about to either get robbed or something in my paranoia was held me in good stead. Cause obviously I never really, we can get into the whole story part. I never really experienced any super negative interactions, right? There were some, but by and large, I had a very mundane, uneventful career. Because of the precautions you put in place, not yeah. selling life ending drugs, yeah. having a referral policy, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And the whole stepping into the transaction, yeah. not going to bars there. Obviously there was a point in my career where, I would be a little bit sloppier, but that's just every, everybody learns. That was in my early twenties. Exactly. Like my, in my career lasted just over 10 years, which was significantly longer than most people last in it. And most people have between two to four years before they're arrested for something or their life totally grenades. Either they, I knew an individual who has since passed away. He always said that you either go to jail die or end up on the other side of the phone right so it's the three ways out so it's it's very difficult for people to once they're in it to step away because then like your skill set really narrows it's really hard to get a job right post arrest or post prison if like you've never had a real one if you have no real marketable skills and there i'm sure there are ways for people to parlay themselves into kind of more corporate management positions because i'm sure that there would be some companies who would be very interested in the risk taking that somebody who is really savvy in this industry if you're a clever employer there there is overlap in skills of a person who creates a business under the radar and sells a product and yes you said drugs do sell themselves but we've had conversations on business where you're talking at a level of people who went to business school because you're in there living it. You're creating supply chains. You're doing uh, management yeah. of it's, it's a business and that's what people yeah. forget. And yeah. there's got to be overlapping skills, but a gap yeah. in your resume and an arrest, very hard to get a white collar job. Exactly. Exactly. Cause nobody was just like, Oh, what is this person going to do? That's uh, the, that would be the, the biggest concern. Going, oh, is this person going to be, is my workplace going to be suddenly flooded with drugs? Yeah. And it's just because it is, even now it is, it's, it's hard to shut off where somebody will be like, I'll go out with some friends and people are just like, Oh, I can't get a hold of my guy. And I'm like, I can be this person. 
Oh God! Oh, I could be the shit. So that that is. But then I'm like, no, no, it's behind me. I don't like the stress. I like my very quiet life, pursuing the things that I enjoy, and I don't really have a desire to return back to that because it is, like I said, so much work. Yeah, and like you said, you you've been out for a while, and you got out with no criminal record charges. Smart move. Yeah, it's one of those things where I was like, I, and I was very fortunate, but I, like I said, I do need to call out the privilege that sure. I did experience had I had a, a darker skin tone. I'm sure that I wouldn't have lasted nearly as long. Things might have been different. And like that does need to be mentioned. Before we jump over to Patreon and you share a story or two with us, ideally two, if you can, because yeah. this is going to be a two-parter just for how long we're talking. Is there anything else you think the normies should know about just dealing, the industry, safety? Is there anything else you'd like to add? If you're thinking about doing it, don't. Yeah, we're I mean, not like, advocating doing this. This yeah, is for informational yeah. purposes only. This is not a life plan. Yeah, no. So there's, because there's anybody, a lot of people just, oh, this is, you know, towards the end of my career, I did have uh, employees and people would ask me, there's, oh, can I drive for you? And I'm like, why? <laughs> What's, I'm just like, realistically, the, yeah, you're, the money that you'd make with me would be tax free, but I need, I'd still need a 40 hour commitment from you per week. Right you'd be making decent fucking money, but you're like, like you don't have a life outside of that. If you made the commitment to me, then be like, okay, when you're on shift, you're on shift. It doesn't matter if you have other commitments that you thought you could honor, like you're on shift, a call comes in, you go answer it. Mm -hmm. And like I, so I had expectations of performance and, and it's not just so easy to, Oh, I'm just going to go buy X amount of volume and then sell it to my fucking friends because anybody that's done the gear, before is going to know what good feels and smells like and what have you. And realistically speaking, the, the kind of the, the barrier for entry to get good product in bulk is not only upwards of 30 to $40,000 if you're getting a full load, but it's also, you have to know somebody who's comfortable with you Mm -hmm. to be able to supply that. And very, they're like the higher you get, the the kind of the the smaller the industry gets, and the yeah, it's just it's don't, like don't like it's not something for the uninitiated to start. It can be absolutely a life altering decision because if it goes well, fantastic. But then if it there's the period that there's that something happens where it doesn't, either you get robbed, and say if you're fronted something, then suddenly you're in the whole $50,000, $60,000 and you have no way to pay it back unless you get more. So then you're yeah. double right. that. Um, then then life gets really difficult. Or if you're arrested, then you have legal consequences and that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life yep. or for a very long period of time. Because the average get out of jail or do very little time cost is, again, roughly 50 60K per person. Wow. If you're work, yeah. If you're working with other people, then you have a conspiracy charge to deal with, which right. is extremely serious, and you're looking at seven to ten. And so, do you just want to like? And at that point, you go, "Wow, this entirely was not worth it." Right. Because yeah, you know what? You might have been able to pay off your student loans, but now you have to give up a decade of your life. Yeah. If and if you don't have a good lawyer, if you go like public defender, like you are getting the maximum, and you're and you are going to be fucked. So right. no matter what, it's going to cost you. I would say to people who are would like to try drugs, don't start doing blow. 
it's like i'm not gonna say that i never do it anymore like periodically i'll toss back some nose beers with some friends but it's one of those things that i have seen people spend a house on Mm -hmm. over the course of a decade if you're somebody that's spending or like at least a down payment if you're somebody that's spending a hundred bucks a weekend that's forty eight hundred dollars a year that's fucking forty eight thousand in a decade and there are people that spend a hundred bucks a day and that's three grand a month that's you start doing the math that's thirty six thousand dollars three times twelve yeah that's thirty six thousand dollars a year that's three hundred and sixty k over the course of a decade yeah and there were people that i served from the problem was present in their lives before i came around but I served them throughout my entire career and I know that they're still partying and they've pissed away their lives on that very cheap thrill. And that's, that's how many trips around the world that you can take. That is, that's how many, that's how many degrees that you can take. That's, and it is completely worthless to do those things. Same thing goes with ketamine. People that love it will really like it. I found that it was a particularly pernicious habit to have as it really warped one's perception of not only themselves and it made people much more egotistical than actually blow did it had this weird i called it narcissism powder oh interesting yeah and it, yeah, and it made people just ex- extremely narcissistic and, uh, and arrogant and up their own ass um but also has a very ugly physical addiction component to it that isn't often spoke, spoken about it is a very niche substance if a location doesn't really have a an electronic music scene, it's next to impossible to find. So it kind of hinges on, on, a, on a specific type of nightlife to be available. If you are going to do drugs, the ones that I would absolutely give 100% thumbs up to would be MDMA within moderation because it has a very low addiction potential as well as is not neurotoxic in the slightest. That being said, make sure that you are getting something that is high quality. Do not be afraid to go test your substances if you do have those resources available it is possible to get reagent tests and purity tests and fentanyl tests off the internet. Anybody that is a drug user, I would absolutely recommend that you have those on deck so you can see what you get, what you're getting or what you're not getting. LSD slash acid, wonderful mind expanding chemical. I, again, if you can find somebody that has the good, that is definitely an experience. I feel most people should have as with mushrooms too. peyote and mescaline are out there, but If you can dive into your skull at least one point in your life, um, you will probably be a better person for it. That being said, if you have any family history of schizophrenia, do not do psychedelic drugs because you can open up a Pandora's box that cannot be closed again. If your grandmother or your mom or, or even a sibling has any lashings of schizophrenia or a dissociative identity disorder, do not do psychedelic drugs. I'm sorry. Those things are just off the table for you. And to make sure that you're what you, what you are doing is always go small before you go big. Cause once it's in, you can't get it out. And like I said before, and you asked me about what users should know your guy, make sure that you trust him, make sure that he knows his shit. There are definitely the individuals out there who are totally happy bagging up fucking chalk and selling it as blow. Mm-hmm. And if you call them back and raise issue with him, with them, they could come back and tan your hide. Right. And, and that is, you know, I, I forgot to add that before that. If you are dealing with shitty um, people who do not give a flying fuck about you, who are you're just like literally the money in your fucking pocket, mm-hmm. those people you do have to worry about because if you start making problems, quote unquote problems for them, 
and they catch wind of it, then they might take us to that. And then you will potentially come under fire because nobody likes, even though they're in the wrong, if they feel like you're ratting on them or trying to sewer them, then they have no problem beating the shit out of you because again, they're part of that lifestyle end of the end of the thing where they want that that notoriety and that infamy and that fear they don't care about like they they think that's where respect comes from and they're wrong um but those are the individuals that you have to look for but if you have like a person who is totally willing to sit down with you and talk at length about any of your concerns then that's the individual that you should trust. Also, if they have glowing referrals from your friends going like, Oh, go see Jack. Like he's right. He knows his shit. His gear's good. Like you, you any questions you have, he will more than happy to more than happy to field for you. You'll be in good hands there. Like you want good referrals. Like both, both the user and the provider want good referrals because right. nobody wants the trouble. Like literally I want to hear from you that, Hey, you had a great time. And that you'll be calling back sometime in the future. Fan fucking tastic. Mm. If I had a, I had the, I made sure that if I felt that somebody was going a little bit too hard, I would have a word with them, and then I would freely cut them off. Right. I'd be like, look, I know what too much looks like, and you're well past that point. I apologize for letting it go this way. I have other things in my life, but you need to take a break. Yeah. And I also had a, a personal policy where I would never start somebody. On, I'd have a few people go, yeah, I've never done blow before, but I really want to try. And I'm like, don't fucking do it. Right. I'm not, I, I'm just like, because all you were going to do is you were going to make me a handsome amount of money and you were going to deprive yourself of an otherwise all of these things. Like I said, I know I explained the math to people before. I'm like, if you want to give me $48,000 over the next decade, minimum, sure. But most people would be like, Egh. I'm like, if you want that popular kind of like the neon experience, do acid, do MDMA, because that's like what you're that's what's the the media portrayal of being on drugs that's a very good point going back to pop culture that's what people think they're going to get with drugs is they're not just going to get like energy they're going to get your colors and that's not going to happen on a lot of drugs but it will happen no yeah but but a nice combination of lsd and mdma that's exactly what's going to fucking happen you're going to get you're going to get the bright colors you're going to get the laugh laughs you're going to get the hilarious fucking jokes you're going to get that like hunter s thompson Ooh, like the perception changing and like time dilation that's what you're gonna get there when i tell people I'm just like if you haven't done blow and you want to know what it feels like go to starbucks get a nitro cold brew the largest size <laughs> and drink it in one go that is by and large what you are going to feel like you're gonna need to shit you are going to be extremely sped up you are going to have this inflated sense of confidence and being my dad always said if you want to do if you want to feel right do cocaine because you're right about everything <laughs> like yeah, you are right about everything everything is a good idea and another friend actually recently made the joke he's like there's a difference between business plan drugs and taking apart your radio drugs sure <laughs> yeah 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 Co- cocaine is business plan drugs business plan meth drug is taking for apart, sure. yeah meth is taking apart your radio and seeing how it works and then not being able to put it back together all right, let's end it right there. That is a perfect place to end the free podcast. This is most likely going to be two parts. We've been chatting for quite a while. Jack, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. No uh, problem. Helping our listeners understand this a lot more. Obviously, you're anonymous, so you have nothing to promote. I will be doing some quick promotion. Like I mentioned, obviously, the old book, Selling Out to Level Comfort, is out. New online course coming out July in tandem with the book coming out in July. Still leaving the title in the winds because it's not done yet. I don't want any of you to steal it from me. So a yeah. uh, new book, new course coming out 
Don't forget to jump over to Patreon. We're putting up new classes all the time, and we're going to share some stories. And just to tease, I'm also going to add a story where I where ketamine was involved because it was mentioned. <laughs> so if you want to hear the stories from Jack and a story about something I have experienced and seen, jump over to Patreon.com, Randy King Live, and that's on the $5 level. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Cool.